Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. I am uh, Chuck. I'm Godless. I almost forgot my name. (laughs) And this is your weekly examination (laughs) of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Hi, how you doing? We got a great episode this week. Oh, this is a good one. This this one makes me happy because, uh, and I have to say how happy I am about it. Oh, good. uh, This time because, dude, talking to King Diamond was, oh my God. That was so cool. Dude. That was so cool. King Diamond fan, not a King Diamond fan, trust me, you want to hear this thing. Well, for for me as a King Diamond fan, as a merciful merciful fate fan and like growing up and we we talk a little bit about the San Antonio area. That's something that you were kind of uh you you were in on that. You know, you got to see that and and oh my god, it's just so so I felt a little starstruck by it. That's awesome. Uh, to say the least. So yeah. I was pretty happy about it. So we're going to talk to the king yeah. himself he, during this, this episode. been through hell and back. I he mean, really he has, really, man. Really. I mean, it's it's amazing. He's got an amazing story. Not, I mean, in his almost 60 years now. So mm-hmm. we yeah. also are talking about somebody else who has not had so many, but mm-hmm. just uh, so many years. But so, oh, the stories, though. Yeah. Our first episode of Storytime with Stavros oh, is in this excited. show as well. That's so good. Dude, dude. Storytime with Stavros is going to be one of our favorite segments i i i'd have to say uh, i mean i'm i'm in love with everything we do i really am <laughs> but i'm particularly proud of 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 story time with stavros so what we and, did and i don't even do that much what, what we asked you know, all we do is laugh <laughs> yeah totally because <laughs> it's because it's fucking funny that's why i was like but in this one uh we actually had recorded another one to be the first one but this week we figured that uh since uh, Stavros Giannopoulos is, of course, from the Chicago metal scene, and so is another person by the name of Blake Judd, and they happen to be in a lot of the same circles. We might be able to get an uplifting story about Blake and uh, we something got else. One. And, and actually, yeah, the, it's a pretty interesting. So that's going to be coming up Could, toward the end of the I show. Can I add one more element that's going to help sell people on sticking around to listen to it? What's that? Glenn Danzig. Oh, dude. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And Jello Biafra. And Jello Biafra. That's all. Yeah. So that's uh, that's coming up on Storytime with Stavros. We're going to hear a new song from Unearth and talk about Doc Coyle's, uh, his, I want to call it a manifesto. Yeah. What, what, what did he title it? it? This is the end. This is the end. It's a good, a really good blog post. And I'm and, and my ego wants to tell me that it was sparked from our talk about uh, <laughs> all that remains in last week's episode, uh, at least in some point, because I'll, I felt like a lot of that was stuff that he was getting toward and then came up with these uh uh list of things that that were in there so it's it's a pretty good post yeah so go listen to our our conversation with doc last week and (laughs) well don't stop listening to this episode yeah well i'm telling you it's like a try it's just like the trilogy but if you are on the page right now if you're on the podcast page you check out uh, check out the pages right there on every post that we do for uh metal sucks uh, now has a little speak pipe link at the bottom of it. If you want to talk to us, you can leave us a message uh, via the speak pipe. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter. I'm at Bearded Ape on Twitter. And I'm at Godless Speaks. But if you want to 
if we want us to answer a question from you or something like that, uh, it's right there on the on every week's episode podcast. So we wanted to at least answer one, almost at least one every week, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, so let's do one from this week. Hey there, Chuck and Godless. I was just wondering, since you guys joke around about bass players a lot, if you had any favorite bass players that are in more modern bands, so not guys like Steve Harris or Geezer Butler or Cliff Burton even, but, you know, guys that have come out in the last, like, 10 to 15 years. Anyway, cheers. Well, first off, my favorite bass player is uh, my best friend. My, my, my best friend, Jay, He's uh, we, t- we talk a lot of shit about bass players because they're bass players in metal bands, and they're that's, yeah, well, what's that about? But, I mean, Steve Harris, obviously, you can't, I mean, that's the winner, 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 chicken dinner out of all of them. Uh, I would say modern bass players, Dan Briggs, probably one of my favorites. I mean, we get to, we obviously talk to him and, but he's just anybody who could do that with a saxophone and drums and a bass. And that's it with tree escapes. Impressive, man. Yep. So I would say he's probably top of the list there. And what's his name? The other guy that we have Moss from, uh, from Tesseract. Also another one that I, I, I think is pretty badass, man. You? Nope. What? What do you mean? No favorite bass player? Nah. Oh, come on. Dude, I even... Rob Torrio? Even the... Uh, uh, no? Uh, nah, uh, eh. <laughs> All right, bass players. Uh, at Godless Speaks on Twitter. Uh, let me give out his email address, home address, and phone number at the same time. Leave a message on SpeakPipe about what you think about Godless's favorite, favorite bass player. No, I think there's uh, there's several out there, and without them, and there's others that I don't think are particularly like uh, technical bass players, but add a lot to the band that they're in. I mean, and uh, and a lot of just cool dudes. I think it's too. an overrated instrument. I think somebody figured out how to do it originally, and just everybody went, "Oh, I guess we got to do that too." You know, no band would really have a bassist if they, you know, really thought about it. It's thick, man. It makes everything sound thicker. I know, but you thicker. can get like a. There's technology that exists now that makes something that sound that yeah, cover that bottom is end. Not, that's not, no, come on. It's not. It's not a stringed instrument. I'll of some bet kind. you that you. How often do you go see a band live, and then the bassist doesn't show up, and the show is over, and you're like. Oh, I didn't even realize Actually, it. I, I was thinking about that the other day. That was uh, <laughs> it was Goat Whore, yeah, who played it like emos <laughs> one time, and bass player like got had to had to leave and go back to New Orleans for like family emergency, and they're like, "Fuck it, we're playing anyway." Yeah, and it was fucking awesome. You can't do that with the vocalist. But can't it, do that with the drummer. You can't do that with even rhythm guitar. But the bassist, <laughs> you can totally do that. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's now, true now i'm sad <laughs> now all, all bass players are sad at godless speaks on twitter all right let's get into our interview with uh with the king man none other than king diamond he's going on tour and uh looking like he's going to be recording some new music here soon uh, which is actually sort of exciting and especially so many exciting ways. after hearing what he's got to say about what he's been going through. i know but the most interesting part was, I think, how we started this one off. <laughs> That's right, I forgot. Because everything was so... Uh, every, I, he was running a little bit late on an interview that he had before us, and uh, we got to talk to his wife, Livia, to kick it off. Oh, oh, there we go. Hey, awesome. <laughs> Super sorry about that. Uh, he didn't know you guys were radio. I just looked through his schedule, and um, so now he's wrapping it up, and he'll be here in a moment. Okay. Okay. Uh, no problem. Rocking, rocking. Are you? What are you doing on the computer? Are you just like 
checking schedules and stuff? Um, all kinds of stuff, really. <laughs> I do a lot of artsy stuff on it. I do a lot of working stuff on it, as in for the band, you know. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Are you always doing stuff for the band? Because you're, I know you're like a business partner of uh, of Kings. I'm not really a business partner. I just do a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but yeah. uh, I'm also the one singing on stage, so. Um, I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> do you, when you're between tours and all that, do you like, I don't know, like do bookkeeping somewhere or graphic design for somebody else or anything like that? Or are you just 100% king all the time? Um, I do a lot of my own stuff. Like I said, I do a lot of artsy stuff. I paint a lot. I sculpt a lot. I uh, do a lot of computer-related things, um, 3D graphics. Uh, what else? I do a lot of gaming. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'm a gigantic geek. So. <laughs> oh, what kind of gaming do you do? All kinds from MMOs like Guild Wars 2 through uh, Xbox 360, yeah. Xbox One, all kinds of stuff. I haven't gotten into Guild Wars 2 yet. I've played it I played it a little bit, but I haven't really gotten like jumped in full full on yet. Well, see, I've been playing uh, Guild Wars since Guild Wars 1, which came out uh, eight years ago. Okay. Seven, eight years ago. So, um, and... Uh, it was natural for me to go to Guild Wars too. Yeah, I also love it. So. <laughs> See, I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I play the Star Wars MMO instead. I, I heard of that. Yeah, one, but um, I haven't tried it yet. She's not that nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Guild Wars, so I stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> awesome. Well, that's awesome. Is, is the art like? Are, are you able to like uh, bring income on that, or is it more of just a sort of a venture, a way to express yourself? Um. Well, I did 3D stuff for um, sale. Um, I do uh, the artsy things I do mainly for myself if someone wants to buy it they're more than welcome <laughs> yeah but um, um, yeah it's it's just so many kinds I have so many projects going on so it's uh, it is mostly for taking my mind off of things and uh, just relaxing with it yeah do you find like just like the visual arts like are in sort of the same kind of challenging place where music is you know what I mean? As far as like... Yes, and it is similar because in both ways you do get to express yourself. Um, but in other ways it's very, very different because you just use way different things to achieve what you want. Like, um, you know, with painting it's all about visuals and feelings. Uh, when you sing about it, it's all about feelings and kind of your own technique that you bring into it if you don't you know, never had a professional uh, uh, teaching of how you should sing or how you should do this or should do that, um, then you find your own way. And I think that's the best because that's what sounds most like you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the most natural. Exactly. Are you able to kind of contribute your own aesthetic sense to, like, say, the live show? Besides just performing yourself, but, I mean, as far as the visuals are concerned. Yeah, I would love to answer that, but... Kim is done with the interview, so I just pass him the phone, okay? Well, well, when we're done with King, can we talk with you some more? Um, I'm going to get back to you. Right, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm sorry. Thanks, Olivia. Okay, here he is. Bye. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Hey, King. I'm, I'm doing good, man. It's uh, I didn't even realize. I, I th- thought it was just another private call. Olivia was walking around. and <laughs> I'm doing a, a radio interview. I was like... Could you keep it down a little bit? You know what I'm doing, right? I'll find another room or something. <laughs> no, it's just, well, we started walking around talking, and it's like, no, it's the next interview. Like, yeah, yeah, but when they call, right, let me know. 
Well, I'm on with him. <laughs> oh, really? Oops. Uh, okay. It's all good. We were trying to get some really good information out of her. <laughs> no, it's always fun. It's funny because we've run into that a couple times where we wind up with talking to somebody's spouse, and it's always it's always fun to kind of hear what they what oh, they do too. You know, I mean, it's and, oh yeah. You know, she sounds like she's a, a great artist. I mean, that's uh, that's awesome. Oh, she has a very very uh, strong uh, artistic side. Uh, very very skilled. How long have you guys been together? Oh, we've been married 11 plus something years. Yeah, pretty much 11 and a half. Yeah, 11 and a half. You got to make sure she's, <laughs> she's checking in on it. When, when you yeah, I'll never forget the date because it, it happened on um, Valentine's Day. So, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm uh, never going to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I, I will get reminded by TVs and everything else, you know, uh, a month before it happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, 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 did, did you meet her through your music, or was it like just a... Yeah, practically, yeah. It, it, it's such a weird thing, you know, because uh, she was an exchange student up in uh, Michigan, and uh, way too young. It's like robbing the cradle and all this stuff. <laughs> uh, it, it's really, really... Uh, I was married before, you know, and uh, at that point when she was an exchange student, she had a very bad uh, experience with those people she was with. And um, at the same time, she was trying to, because uh, she was a fan, and she wanted to uh, to try and get in contact. And she knew people from Metal Hammer in Hungary, I think it was. Uh, and through them, she tried to pretend to be a journalist to talk to me. So, uh, and they vouched for her. The label said, uh, I've never heard of her, and uh, who is that? And, no, no, yeah, it's true, it's 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 right it's it's cool <laughs> and she was put at the end of the day for for a, a day and i had just lost my cat ghost which was uh yeah a super super loss you know i mean and um but but you know you had to to do stuff and uh that's uh the the song so sad was written about him you know um so it was um uh, it was uh we say uh, two people that had gone through some uh, pretty bad times, and uh, at the end of the day, it was always getting almost getting dark. I hadn't eaten anything, and I'd been on the phone all day long. And um, so uh, here we go with with Olivia saying, "Hey, um, so um, are you going to record this?" She asked me. I said, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna? I hope you have a tape recorder. You're the journalist, right? And it's, uh, yo, oh yeah, yeah, I have a tape recorder. Uh, 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 oops, come on, come on. Uh, it doesn't seem to want to work. Uh, uh, well, time pressures and probably a button that says record, right? No, well, it won't work on this. Oh God, man. And I said, okay, relax, take it easy. And she was uh, uh, freaking out, you know. Eventually, she got that started and said that it got all dark. I couldn't see anything. Said, it's getting pretty dark here. Um, and I'm kind of hungry, you know, and, uh, but when we talked and, and it just, it seemed very natural and, uh, it was kind of nice cause we ended up talking about those things that was bad and, uh, and then she didn't get done because of the rec- uh, of the recorder there. So she uh, had to call back again after to come with follow up stuff and get uh, the recorder to work properly. But it was very suspicious that she didn't know this and she <laughs> thought that I was going to record the interview for her. It's like, are you kidding? Where do I send it right after we're done? Oh, no. Well, King, we're a real podcast, uh, and we're currently hitched, but if things don't work out for all three of us, I think we might have a future together. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh. So, yeah, there you go. 
It, it, it's part of it, you know, because then uh, then uh, she went back to to Hungary, and we continued uh, talking. And uh, after I don't know how many months, you know, uh, I one day one day said. Uh, could you send me a photo? It'd just be interesting to see who I'm talking to. I have no idea, you know. And uh, she said, yeah, she could do that. And then you say, well, how old are you? And she was 17, she said. I said, that's okay. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. No, I, how old are you? For real, you know. Like, no, I'm 17. No, I, I don't believe that. And then she insisted that that was it. I said, that's not possible. The way we had talked, what we had talked about, there was just a whole different. Um, I mean, talk about uh, if you ever run into a soulmate, you know, this is it. Uh, it. It was that easy. And I, after a while, I went to Hungary to uh, ask for a hand to her parents um, uh, without having ever met her. Wow. It didn't, it didn't matter. Wow. It didn't matter if she didn't have one on her feet or her fingers were crumbled over it, that was not the issue that didn't matter yeah she was a young chick was you a, gotta grab that no, it was a total uh, <laughs> mental um, connection uh, in, in, a, in a totally I can't explain it that's know, an am- it just was that's an amazing so, conversation you must have had I mean we, we sat and talked for 12 hours sometimes on the phone I'm imagining the conversation with the dad you know Oh well, that was not till we got there, you know. Until yeah. I got there, yeah, I, I managed to. I uh, proposed to to her for the dad in German and for the mother in English, because the dad was not too good in English. And I had uh, prepared my nice little speech, you know, on paper, and I lost the paper, of course, on the way over to the apartment. So it was like a freelance in German, which I I can get by in, but it's not my strong side, you know. So it was. Uh, an interesting evening, and then uh, we went down to their uh, country place for a week so they could get to know me a little bit, because they, imagine, they'd only seen pictures yeah, <laughs> right. of, of this nice young man in makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, man, unique, and for them to let her go, but they must have, have felt, actually, you see, that's again, you know, things cannot be normal here. Uh, Livia's mom had uh, someone read tarot cards over Olivia and me before she let us go. Wow. And you're thinking, uh, really? And uh, But she insisted, and I thought, well, if, if they are here, them, uh, whatever, you know, then uh, they'll make sure they fall right. So And there was no problem. And, and what she put down was actually <laughs> exactly right on. So I never believed in those kind of things with uh, putting down. I think it's an interesting thing, but uh, I didn't uh, believe I wouldn't put my... Uh, future at stake on on a their yeah. of how they fall you know but uh, they feel exactly like uh, life was at that time so but just yeah yeah uh, interesting and still here today and it's better than ever i mean we have uh, just uh, livia has become a big part of uh, of helping out here without all her knowledge of computers and stuff because i'm a leader when it comes to that you know i can think logical about a lot of things but uh, the whole thing about having our uh, fan club and our Facebooks and uh, keep updated, keep, keep people uh, informed and all this stuff would not have been possible without her. So a lot of things there, you know, uh, that, that uh, has helped in so many ways. And of course, her singing and uh, the whole thing on, on, on tour stage with the back up vocals there and stuff. It's just amazing. And then with the the healing of, of the the incident with the heart, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. So... Well, King, when you're hours from that triple bypass, 
uh, are you thinking about your legacy or your memories or your regrets? Are you thinking about your music or everything but your music? What, what, what's going through your head at that point? Well, uh, the very first thoughts I had when I came out of surgery was I came too, too early, uh, was that I couldn't breathe. I was on a machine. It was horrendous. And uh, I could only see in black and white. I couldn't see Livia. She was sitting right next to me. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see anyone. I could just see uh, pretty much the ceiling and uh, desperate to try and survive this thing that was choking me. And uh, there was no one I had heard from the nurses. I remember that line. That was the first line that came in my head. Uh, try and let them know, if you can, that you can breathe on your own. And I was trying to wink eyes and stuff, but there was no one there. And eventually I got so panicky, I started pulling this tube out of my throat myself. And Livia saw that, of course, and, and, and rang the bell, and they came running in. And suddenly there was three doctors standing over me like I was in a spaceship with aliens or something like that. And... Uh, all black and white. There were no colors in what I saw. And um, then uh, as I tried desperate to, to explain or do anything, uh, they took my hands instead of my legs and tied me down to the bed. And I felt like being part of uh, Metallica's one video, you know. I could not communicate. Uh, they stopped me from com being able to communicate with them, and I was fighting for my life. And eventually... Uh, had they been able to hear my thoughts, they would have heard me beg for them to kill me. It was the, the worst I could ever... That must have been what hell is like, I think. <laughs> it was something like that. It, it was absolutely horrifying. And um, and then I was knocked out. And then I came to and uh, found out that the uh, five-and-a-half-hour operation turned into seven-and-a-half and, a half and uh, was probably not there for a while. And uh, my skin looked uh, very strange. It was... Uh, bluish, black, and brown, except for my face, my hands, and my back. Like you see in the movie when the corpse has been lying for a little while. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, the whole thing is, is in a certain way, and it, it just continues and continues. And eventually, you know, uh, you come to and you are hurt. Yeah. And I'm having tube going in under my rib cage in the left side, going up inside of me, up to my heart, the back way. You have no idea how much that thing hurts. That's the thing that hurt the most. And I had that sitting there and drain, drainage for almost the entire day. Unbelievable. I have now a metal rod that sits in there that is uh, kind of braided that uh, had to hold the ribcage together so that it could grow together around this. So I have real metal in my chest now. Awesome. And uh, I can feel it under my, my skin, you know, but uh, my scar is very nicely, the, 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 the way they did the whole thing. I was glued together, no stitches, uh, amazing job. Man. Had, had they prepared you for that before the surgery? Yeah, they had tried. With, with, with the try and signal to them that you can breathe yourself if, if you can, so you can get off the, the machine mm -hmm. before. But again, afterwards, then I realized there's no way. If I had sit, uh, been able to even talk to them and say, hey, I'm fine, get yeah. that pipe out of my mouth because it's choking me they would have said uh, well we're not sure you can breathe yet and I would know why because I could barely breathe when I came to each breath was absolute hell mm. it hurt so bad every breath and when you think about it it's just it's a natural thing take a breath you don't even think about it here when I had, oh here comes the next breath and like <gasps> Oh, it hurt like fucking hell, and it was just 
so uh. and so that was my first experience after was learn to breathe and they would not uh, have sent me home if I couldn't uh, get this little uh, plastic ball in this plastic bar up to a certain area by blowing into it you know I had to have so and so much uh, power in my lungs for them to let me go home a lot of other things I had to be able to do before I could go home. I mean, so I was starting to relive some of the King Diamond albums, you know, uh, walking the halls at night and stuff. Uh, I was walking with this, I don't know what you call these things, where, you know, you have the drop on it and it has wheels on it. And it's oh, just yeah. so long. Yeah, the IV or so whatever. I, yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. I walked with that. The IV went into my uh, throat, into my neck. I have Ooh. three white spots sitting there still that I can see where they sat, you know. That was part of the horror too. When when just the, the overall roller coaster ride being there, and they were all super people, man. The nurses, the surgeon. I was really lucky, you know, with uh, everything. Well, and I those, those people too, but but still, you still have to go through the things they say. And when I got close yeah. to, I walked and I walked those halls at night. There was nobody out there except me and this thing walking and walking. They said, the more you walk, the sooner you get home. And I just walked. I need to get home. Mr. Peterson can't sleep. I need to get home. I need to get home. And so I walked from nurse station to nurse station, you know, at night when Livia was home taking care of the cat, you know, and uh, then she would come back. She was there almost the entire time. She became half a nurse while she was there. I learned she changed all the bandages, you know, and all this stuff on these wounds. So that also helped get me home early. I was home 10 days after. Wow. And that day I came home, it was winter, December. There was snow here. And the surgeon told me, you, uh, you, uh, walk half a mile when you get home today. Whoa. And I was like, okay, <laughs> joke's over. Seriously, now, what what do I do when I go, no, you go home and you, you, if you can put shoes on, I can't. My feet were so big. My my legs were so big. Uh, so I, I could put some socks on. So I walked in the snow in my socks and uh, for, for uh, half a mile. And then we did that every day until that first week had gone where he said, uh, today or, or, or tomorrow when you come up, you have to walk a full mile and then come up and see me and uh, let's see where we are. And then it, it continued long time, you know. Uh, after, in January, I could finally go and start rehab and start learning to move, start to get out of a chair yourself. And, I mean, you're, you're finished when you've been through that. It's uh, start over. You know. So, were you worried about like because uh, I hear you know horror stories about people who have the, the who are uh, have the tube in their throat and all this stuff going in your throat? Were you worried about your voice being affected by all of that? No, that no, was going no, on? no, no. I just I was just worried that uh, to get the next breath. That's all that matters. Yeah, <laughs> that that's it. It, it. it was that far out, you know. So before even before the surgery, though, I mean, is there like a a fear that you're not going to wake up from this thing? Oh, absolutely. So of what course. is it that, that, that you're thinking about I mean, at that first, point? I was down the I was down one day, and they did a four-hour thing where they put a camera in the, a vein in my uh, thigh, and then it goes up through that vein up to the heart. And they look around, and they uh, it went well. It was a four-hour thing. You were half awake, so I saw uh, this camera going up through my veins on a, on a, on a screen, you know. And... Uh, it's YouTube it went well, but, but it wasn't a good result, you know. So they said that we need to do this tomorrow. So I was thinking, what? So it was uh, improvised. The wills are being done uh, in, in, in shorthand, you know, and uh, those kind of things there, you know. Do you sleep at that point, or are you just wide awake until um, you get knocked under? Not much sleep. You want to sleep because you need strength, but um, you've just been at one surgery, so... And then you're told you have to do another one, the big one, tomorrow. And uh, 
it, it usually goes well. We are going to take three pieces of vein out from your one thigh and use and uh, make that reroute so your heart can get the right amount of blood and this and that. And it's like, what? It just becomes twilight zone, you know. And then, uh, okay, okay, uh, we gotta, we got to have a will up because, uh, well, what's the danger? Well, yes, it's dangerous. Yes, it is dangerous. Uh, okay, uh, what happens afterwards? And then you get filled with info that you can't even, your brain can't handle it, you know, too much info. You, honestly, you don't know when you go down. Your last thoughts are simply you want to come back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a certain necklace that, that was uh, made when we uh, lost our cat, Magic. Uh, she, she, uh, we got to have her until she uh, was 18, and something totally supernatural happened the night uh, she left us, you know. And there was a certain power that manifested, and uh, we uh, got some info, and we had special necklaces made, uh, one for Livy and one for me that is unique. There are only those two. And I uh, often uh, take and uh, put my fingers in. It has a certain thing. There are three rings, but they are shaped in a certain way. You put your fingers in and press it on your heart. Then uh, uh, I, I uh, sometimes grab a little extra from there. And uh, that was the same there. And then I was told right before going in that uh, you can't have that on. And I was sure I was going to die then. Oof. And then Livia said, no, 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 it's, it's going to be cool. Just take it off. Give it to me. And like, uh, okay, I trust you. Uh, and then she uh, had sat. Uh, and they said, if we don't come out during the operation, uh, it doesn't mean that something is wrong in there, just so you know. So, uh, And they didn't. And they told her it would last five and a half, and it lasted seven and a half hours. Uh, and so, of course, she sat there. But she held, she took hers off, too, and sat with them both in her hands together. And never let go of them until I came out, you know. But right when you're about there and they say, okay, we have to go in now and start, and uh, you, you're beginning to doze off because they're saying, now we're going to put you under, you know. And you're sitting there, you're thinking, so. And Livia thinks the same, of course. It's like, is this, uh, is this it? Is that the last? I really have so much more I need to fucking get done here. You know, this, this, is, not, uh, this, this is not right. But you can't do anything. Are you thinking about like that faucet you haven't fixed or that, you know, that mowing the no, lawn? No, 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 Are you no, thinking I, I about wanted... the next album or no, the I'm show? No, I'm thinking about uh, how can I muster up extra strength to get through this so I can get back to Libya and my cats. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Well, there are incredible. no faucets in existence. There is nothing in existence, but I want to get back to Libya. I want to get back to my cats. We had heard that you like went without drugs, to, you know, to feel better coming out of this. Is that true, or did you? I need only something? had, uh, yeah, I only had painkillers once. It was at the hospital, I think. Right? I mean, did I have it at home once? Was that it? Of course, they give you at the at the hospital, but but you don't. They, I don't know what they give you and how much they give you. But I got some to take home. I didn't take any. No, I didn't take any when I got home. Was that no. was that your choice? Was that yeah. something you were fighting? Yeah, yeah, I had them. I had them. I had the strongest. So why 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 was it? Is it something that you've gone through in the past or that you've seen? No, I just I mean it's uh, uncertain about things. Uh, uh, in the beginning, I couldn't lie down at all. I sat in in a chair and slept there. You know, uh, at the hospital, I would wake up after the operation. I woke up every hour practically in a, in a nightmare. Just you know couldn't sleep that's also why i didn't want to sleep when livia had gone home so i walked the halls at night you know yeah, yeah. um 
so it's uh, th- those things just didn't work for me. Uh, when I could sleep a little, and then eventually I would sleep more because also you sit there. Uh, I had pains, man. I mean, I was I had open wounds uh, under my uh, rib cage and uh, right in my front where two wires had been sitting up, uh, ready to kickstart my heart. You know, uh, in case something went wrong, they left those wires in for the longest time. And the other things I said in in my neck as well, you know, had just come out. So there were things there you were not sure if you start bleeding or, or something too much. You 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 want to be aware as much as you can, you know. So yeah. it's uh, there, there is a while there where you're not sure. There's a while where uh, other things are very weird too. Uh, when you take, I had to take the walks, of course, like they told me to. So we take a walk, and and you cannot describe how you appreciate to actually be alive. And seeing uh, a car with some people driving, they're on their way to work. We are walking uh, 7.30 in the morning, for instance. And you start getting these, uh, God, I could just as well not have been here now. And not been part of this that's happening right now. Easily could this have been the case. And it gets so weird that, that sometimes I, for the first probably two months at least, right, I would say two months, I had to ask Livia, when we walk, sometimes we just sat, watch TV, whatever. She would sit, do something, work on the computer, whatever, and I'd sit and watch maybe the news or something like that. And uh, suddenly I had to say, uh, hey, uh, hello, can you hear me? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. You can hear what I'm saying now? Are you sure? Can you see what I'm doing? Tell me what I'm doing now. I just want to make sure you can see me. And the same when we walked, I would put a hand on her shoulder and say, can you feel this? I had to make sure that, that I was here. I had a strong feeling that I was not here, that I was uh, had not moved on, but was uh, taken along, you know, for a while. And it's strange when you look back at it afterwards and uh, you, you're thinking about, wow, man, I, I had to make sure I was here. It was that uh, strange, the whole thing, you know. And, and it was. It was really. Uh, and then the more you, longer you go, you know. I mean, that that middle rot in the chest, you know. And uh, I bent down still. If I bent down today too much, I can feel it pressing on my intestines. You know. I mean, it, it is what the hell it is. You know. I mean, yeah. I'm here. You know. And I'm I'm still playing music, and we are still uh, actually with that doing better than we ever have. It's got to make you we sound like- better. We we look better on stage. Uh, I feel better after a show. We play ninety minutes full blast. I'm not tired anymore. It's got to make you feel like so driven about almost every single moment of every day, right? Uh, to a degree, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't take tomorrow for granted. That I don't take for granted. I wake up. I don't. I just don't do it anymore. Are there things that you used to enjoy that now just feel like a waste of time for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are also things that I don't want to deal with. I mean, uh, certain certain things that are. It's like you know what. If they want to go to that level, then let them, you know. I can't waste time on this childish bullshit, you know. Sometimes uh, there could be certain things, it could be business, whatever, you know, where you just, uh, this is pathetic, man, come on, you know. Let's drop this uh, kindergarten crap, you know, and then move on with what's important, you know. Of course you get into those situations when, when you've given a second chance, you know, and I don't take things for granted. I mean, just taking a walk means uh, to see nature, you know. I mean, I, 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 when you don't take it for granted anymore, and then you can see what, what's there, it's not like I became, oh, he's born again or something. 
I, I was never religious. I still am not religious. I have my life philosophy that I've had forever. Uh, I'm very spiritual because I've had a lot of occult experiences, so it makes me spiritual, but it's not a thing that I can use as a foundation for a religious belief. But I've always, uh, you know, uh, respected uh, others' beliefs and said that, uh, hey, you know what, uh, yours is probably as good as his. I mean, uh, uh, as long as no one can prove that they believe in the only true God to, you know, prove it to everyone else, then uh, how can they be right? You know, if, if someone proves that they believe in the only right God, then we would all believe it, of course, if it's proved. You need to write the sequel to Satanic Bible. But you know what I'm saying? That that's Absolutely. Obvious, that's the obvious thing, of course, but no one has been able to do it because, well, you look at how many different directions we have of religious beliefs, you know. So, uh, but, but I'm also the last to say, why would I ever try and, and say, that, oh, there are no gods because I haven't seen one? Uh, that would be not so smart of me. I think, because how would I prove that? There is no proof of one God, many gods, or no gods, to me anyway, or to humankind as a whole. Because then we would all be right there with either none, one, or many. You know, I mean, it, it, that's, that's a fact. Uh, the rest of it there, why people run around uh, killing each other because they believe in different things. That, that I never got. I never will get that. I... I, I mean, I mean, because of those things I just said, I don't see it. That's uh, how the House of God album. That's why the makeup is crosses both ways. Uh, Even uh, if there were a God, it should be rejected as an object of worship, I would think. If it was proven that there is one, but, but see, that's again, what is a God? How would anyone even know right now to, to talk about a God when you don't even know what it is? And I mean, if you look at the House of God album in some way, right? I mean, people can believe there is a God, and they can believe that God might be something like, and then they make some kind of image of it, or you know, picture it in some way or another, or they can feel it maybe, or whatever. Um, that's all fine, but that's for them personally. That it, it's not a big thing that makes it. This is how it is. So. Um, and you have that in House of God a lot, too. You yeah. Know, where I'm asking this in the story. The character asks this entity that there is some kind of an entity in that church. And uh, that entity is kind of put at a test, put up against the wall by this character who says, but what if, if you really are, why can't you show yourself and, and, and stop the misery here? Well, why not? Are you not that powerful that you can do that? You're supposed to be, if you are this type of thing, all-powerful. Or even if you could prove to me in some way that you were quite, quite powerful, how am I to know you're not just another puppet on another puppeteer's strings? It could be endless. Yeah. To, I mean, and th those are the things where, you know, we are probably not meant to understand any of this, you know. I mean, uh, picture this one thing. This is also kind of like what is being talked about. If our universe, as we know it, as big as we know it, it, uh, that it is, uh, out to the borders where we don't know what's beyond there, imagine that as one corner sand on a beach. That one corner sand. In there are little us, and this is a universe you're holding in your hand, that sand. And then look at the beach. Oh, my God. Do we dare think those thoughts? Is it comforting to, to 
think those thoughts and realize that we are completely insignificant in this whole big picture. That's not a nice thought to feel suddenly totally insignificant. But maybe we are. I'm not scared of that thought. You know, I pretty much accepted that, well, it could well be that. But since I don't know and no one else knows, I'll just get the bed out of what I can get right now. As an individual inside one of those grains of sand, inside a hand, I could care less who's holding the pile of sand because it's yeah. so far away that it's exactly. insignificant. You're so far removed from that, it. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And evidence so, of so, absence is, or ev- absence of evidence is evidence of absence. Yes. That's <laughs> very nice words and correct. Thank you. I stole them. But I just don't know who from. <laughs> but but how true but king all right so getting back to that drive and i mean we see that now with this tour and everything that you're doing now it feels like you're totally driven and revved up and ready to go and trying and to keep away all distractions we are ready to go absolutely i mean it, it's uh we're doing uh a lot of what we've always wanted to do we're doing more of what we always wanted to do now i mean we're able to do more we're, we're lucky brian slick like you said well your music is coming full circle more and more and more you know you you wait mark my words wait and see he kept saying and suddenly we headlined uh, one of the big stages sweden rock and hellfest and then uh, the next year it was uh, other things and bloodstock and uh, i mean one after the other and back in this year i mean uh, maybe we can add others next year if we're doing next year or maybe we concentrate on the album we'll do whatever feels right you know yeah but but we have all new and and with this tour that has just been booked now, there were doubters out there, of course, and I totally understand it. I mean, right now our booking agent extortion machine, best one of the best things that happened for us. You know, I I, I really am so happy that we got him, and the, the things that he's done uh, for us with this tour. Uh, but no booking agent, no band, no uh, can um, force anyone to have us come and do a concert. I mean, we can't, if we could only do it ourselves, right? But you need a promoter to do a, uh, a concert with a band. And it's it, it's kind of sad to see uh, uh, when you get some of these, um, uh, what is it, like on your Facebook, you get the Facebook, you get some messages where people say, oh, man, why no, uh, why no concerts in Florida and uh, do a second show in Chicago? Oh, what yeah. about Vancouver? <laughs> fans that are trying San to get Antonio, you there. We used to support you in San Antonio. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. It's like, hey, no, 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 no. No, 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 dead wrong. Uh, we do not decide that if it was up to us, we would play all those places and many more places. That that uh, should be a given, that of course we want to do that. Um, but no one offered to bring us into San Antonio. Because oh. it's like, well, I uh, uh, don't know, uh, no offers from Florida. So it's just like, well... And I was told that, well, not everybody was uh, into it, you know, or believing in it. It's been so many years. Yeah, you, but... You, you, you can... But, yeah, but... Right? Uh, you can yeah, understand that's, that some that's people nuts. are thinking, I don't know. It used to be, from our viewpoint, it's like, yeah, U.S. and Europe followed each other pretty well for us. So, doing good in Europe, we did good in, in the U.S., and it would just go like that. Let me personally apologize for San Antonio <laughs> for you, because I'm from that area, and... No, San Antonio rocks. <laughs> and, it's been hardcore always. No, and it's, we love you in San Antonio and Austin, so... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Austin is there. 
Houston is there, Dallas is there, so it's also like you can say, well, some some of you can 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 at least find another way uh, or place to go to, but not everybody has the option. No, of yeah. course not. Uh, Chicago was sold out. You know, the place maybe we should play the bigger place. Maybe there is no bigger place available to to go and play there. So you know, uh, uh, on that date, uh, some people say, hey, uh, why don't you play the next days you're off? Well, if we play the next day, then we play eight shows back to back. Yeah, right. Their voice is not, uh, it is not uh, uh, that easy for the voice to do what I do. Uh, and that day we do have to travel. We, it, we didn't say the two up with a day off there for, for no purpose. That's just the way it is. But you cannot think about all these things if you're not part of setting it up, you know. Mm. So I understand all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> But it is what it is, and it's actually pretty good what it is now to see that, hey, New York sold out uh, Best Buy Theater at Times Square in three hours. I That's couldn't awesome. believe it. So I'm like, wow. Uh, and then the others, now there's five that sold out. Uh, Seattle is, is practically sold out right now. It's 85% or something like that. There's a couple that are 75%, you know, uh, Maryland included, I think, and uh, Las Vegas is included there, too, and uh, Boston, I think, up there, Massachusetts, the... Worcester, I think, is also very close, and some others are fifty-five percent and stuff. And we're talking pre-sales here. I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy. For we've never done something that did this, you know. So uh, there'll be some promoters sitting in front saying, "Wow, shit, man, we should have done that." You yeah, know, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, hey, how? Uh, how are we to know? Exactly. And I that, think they well, know, but I mean, they, they would have to play ball and, and hope for the best and see what are the others doing. But the you last... can't blame anybody for anything. But you just wish that that you could tell everybody what's behind it and that uh, it's too bad for those that didn't get it this yeah. time. We're going to do everything we can to get back to those areas, you know. Uh, but until then, you know, it is what it is. At least uh, be happy that we're starting again, you know. Yeah, the last time I get to see you perform live was uh, 2008 OzFest with uh, with Metallica. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I I just pulled up, you know, pulled up the, the Vakken performances and this year this yeah. year from this year and the yeah. difference between uh 08 which it was a great performance but i mean the stuff with vakin your voice performance wise even on the weird f- cell phone videos yeah, yeah oh yeah. my god your voice sounds so amazing it, it's 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 actually unbelievable it is a whole different ballpark now like i said i have never had that uh ease uh, in doing all those songs, I mean, uh, or, or feeling that great with the voice, uh, which at my age I should uh, have difficulty. I should be uh, asking yeah, most, the band to tune a hair, you know. But no, 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 not at all. It's it's uh, it's such a great thing, and that has uh, to do with those uh, cigarettes. I had no idea that they affected the voice that much. I knew there was probably some effect, you know, but. Uh, I didn't feel that I couldn't sing certain things, but uh, it's a whole different thing now. Also, the look of everything. That whole production there is going into all the theaters over here. Awesome. It's, it's that whole Viking show, exactly like it was the Viking. So, King, when, you, when the booking agent tells you, we can't book you here, we can't book you there, it's just not happening, I mean, you must get a little dejected, but then when the ticket sales are doing Proving so well, otherwise. yeah, then it's got to be such a sort of... I don't know, like a... A fuck you to them. Well, know? that and just for yeah, you, I like, don't, I don't excited. I think like that. I think, like, uh, I understand the whole thing. I understand it, uh, that that uh, you don't just take the chance. I mean, the thing is that they used to follow each other, so we would say, like, well, we're playing this and that in Europe. Uh, we should be able to do this and this in the U.S. if they've just kept up like they used to be, go even. 
but we have not played festivals uh, like we started in 2012 in Europe doing two. We thought it might be the last we would ever do, so we spent all the money on <laughs> on the nice production. And uh, that's then what we could build on since then. But uh, we didn't know if that was just the last two we could do uh, with, with me. It was possible. Then everything worked out great. And uh, then we, well, okay, let's try some more next year. And then we did 13 uh, last year in Europe. And then uh, got booked for, for Varken for, for this year. And then we went and did a couple. We did one of the shows, uh, indoor little theater in, in Berlin, simply to test what, the theater uh, would do with the production, and it's perfect. So, you know, we, we thought of, of the U.S., and uh, it fits in there. Th- those few places that was a little tight, the promoters were meeting us, uh, uh, being very willing to, to go in and cut a few seats and uh, make sure the stage could get expanded a little bit. and uh, So we can fit the Vakin production in. Are you rehearsing I mean, now? Rehearsing? No, not yet. Not yet, okay. Is your passport in order? Yeah, it's uh, on its way okay. in the mail. Actually, uh, it's being renewed right now as we speak. That's, <laughs> that, that's the one thing that always <laughs> seems to trip people up coming to the states. Is that? Is yeah, your, well, I'm a U.S. citizen though, yeah, so uh, I, yeah. I know. But still, vice versa. Uh, 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 I can tell sure you, the other guys are now running in and out of embassies uh, <laughs> all over Europe. <laughs> we <laughs> have guys from Sweden, uh, yeah. uh, oh man, uh, Poland. Uh, well, and we're in and Texas, so you know. Have you? Have you guys? jammed without Hal Patino yet? Oh, yeah. We and played Wacken without and him. Do you miss it? Do you miss Not him? Not at all. Not at all. No, it's... it's I mean, we, I don't want to go in and even talk about the whole thing, but uh, because of what happened, and people will never uh, know the inside of it because it's no one's business, really. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's uh, things... I could tell the whole thing, and I uh, would have no problem doing it, but I don't want to be nasty, and I don't need to, to go... That like I told about before, it's a waste of time to start going that low with, with what I could go low with. No point in it. Uh, it's part of the past now. Do you wish I'm he had relieved. your perspective on this? I am relieved. Yeah. With the situation now, the band never felt better. Yeah. It it never felt better. Um, it was like something heavy got lifted off, because it's not a thing that started now. It started uh, over a year ago, but it doesn't matter. I shouldn't uh, talk about it. it so it, it's, uh, let me put it this way here, yeah, just for putting things for in a very quick perspective without saying anything bad about anyone. The 13 shows we did last year, festivals and stuff in Europe, everybody, everybody in the crew as well are the same that this, this year's Wacken and the other shows we did, these four shows in Europe. Everybody except how. And it's all those exact, same people that are doing the U.S. tour. I think it should say something. And the guy we got in, I mean, God, the fans uh, absolutely loved him when we played over there. Awesome. In Berlin, Wacken. Wacken was his third show. His third show with us was in front of 92,000 people. Wow. <laughs> and he just, you could, that's where you saw the, the video. He's on yeah, the video. Yeah, no, I know. Trial by absolutely, fire. And he's there playing with his fingers, you know, on this unique bass. i never seen anything like it. It's carved into the wood, uh, the patterns of it. It looks amazing. It sounds great, man. And he has, and that's funny, some people has actually, uh, a lot of people know him from what he's played in before and stuff like that and seen him play earlier. He's also been a, stand-in for, for Hammerfall before. Uh, Hammerfall, like I said, the, the, our sound engineer is, is uh, Pondus Norgrain, one of the guitarists from Hammerfall. 
That's our sound gotcha. engineer that does this insanely good sound. We've got new equipment. I got new microphones from Sennheiser. You know, there's a brand new wireless system we are using, and it just sounds right, clean, clear. See, now you're talking and then, about and all those things yeah. makes it just whoa, you know. Yeah. Um, but he used to play together with this guy, the bass player, uh, who is uh, Pontus Egbert. Got it. They played together in the band before, and Pontus Egbert, the bass player here, is a bass player standing for Hammerfall, has been there for a while. Whenever that bass player at Hammerfall couldn't go on a tour for some reason to some area, he would step in and do it. So he told us when we got in, in trouble, and we certainly were put up against the wall with, with someone who didn't care whether we played uh, Wagen or not, pretty much. Uh, at that point, you know, you get into, okay, we need someone now, and he's guaranteed this guy can do it. I guarantee he can do it. And we rehearsed three days and one night with a guy and then we played those shows, and his third show was Wagen, and it wow. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> That's amazing. That really is amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, but it's bass. <laughs> yeah, that's the King, we are so looking forward to you coming. Yeah, because we're we're in Austin, so we're going to see the last date at Fun 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 Fest. So it's going to be oh, uh, yeah, pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's also going to be interesting to see that uh, what kind of an audience is going to be there, since it's not a, a heavy metal festival as such. I'll tell you what, though, the you uh you are the talk of the town. I think uh, so far with the Fun 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 Fest. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, obviously Rob Halford and Judas Priest, but oh yeah, yeah, everybody's excited to see you.
today.
Brand new music from Unearth. That one's called The Swarm on the Metal Sucks podcast. I would say uh, it's a pretty good song. Uh, it falls definitely right square smack dab in the middle of the new wave of American heavy metal. They are one of those bands that falls in that category. And that's one thing we wanted to talk about, which was Doc's uh, manifesto, something that came up because last week we had sort of passively mentioned chimera breaking up but right, it was yeah. in the middle of so many stories that were oh, happening such a big week i mean so much stuff that was happening and going on and we kind of touched on it a little bit with the all that remains thing and it's an interesting time right now for bands that were sort of big in the early 2000s and are having a tough time right now Am chimera I? bleeding yeah. through uh, the ones that the ones that Phil Labonte actually mentioned in his yeah, so is that, infamous tweet or yeah, Facebook so, post. So that Facebook post uh, to get sort of recap what Doc Doc's argument was basically that when Phil basically said all of those guys uh, fell off because they weren't musicians, what he meant was they didn't progress into something that was going to help yeah, their survival. They, they weren't adapting to right, the changing adapting. landscape of what was going on around them. Whether that happened to be the business landscape, the musical landscape, the the audience, like all that other stuff that was going on there, it's like they just didn't adapt. So, so when Phil said they did, they so that weren't means there is no God. They, we evolve, they, right? They weren't musicians. He I'm basically sorry. what he meant to say was uh, they didn't sell out like we, uh, we did. <laughs> I, I think we addressed that in that in in our argument. Didn't I, I, we? Yeah, that's sort of my thing. I, I'm not saying that they sold out because I don't think that there's any such thing as selling out, but they just kind of wussified. But uh, yeah, so Doc on DocCoil.net, so you got to go check it out. Had this whole thing about what are the five reasons that these bands are falling off, and uh, you know I think it's pretty interesting in the wake of listening to that new Unearth tune because to me I hear that new Unearth tune, and no offense to Unearth or anything, but feels a little stale to me. Well, if nothing else, it is definitely, it's on earth. It's like the pattern. It's the, I don't want to say formula, but that's sort of what it is because it, it's what works. It's like. That's what works know, or that's what works. Well, I don't know. And that's the question. And all I could think of when I read his post about Docs. the new wave of, Doc's post about new wave of British, or British, new wave of American metal. And then seeing bands like Darkest Hour and on earth that are in the same grain as God forbid bleeding through chimera that are shadows fall in the same, yeah. in the same group is the stuff that they're coming out with now going to separate them and be able to keep them going and keep that longevity for them. Or are they just spinning their wheels doing the same sort of thing? Darkest hour, their new record. Everybody's like, what the it's different. It's a lot different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's got, and I'm actually a, a pretty, I like it. The new dark star. Yeah. I like what they did yeah, with it. Me too. Like they yeah. did some interesting things. I mean, I feel like it's Sumerianized a little bit, you know, it, it de definitely sounds like it's freshened up, Yeah, but it doesn't but thank sound, goodness. well, and that's the thing is like, is that a good thing? Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I, I'm personally, I'm not opposed to it. I think it actually is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of goes back to like, <laughs> it's a terrible comparison, right? But but you look at like the the first wave of ska from England, right? Then there was like madness <laughs> the came out, thing. and and madness comes out with like uh, our house in the middle of the street, and everybody's like, "That's not ska." But who do we remember from that era? We remember madness because they one sold step beyond, out. bro. They, yeah, well, yeah. one step beyond was when they're doing ska, and then they're like, you know what? I, it, it's starting to go away. Yeah. Same thing happened again with No Doubt later on, mm. you know. And I I think that that perhaps um, the new wave didn't 
they didn't find where they could go next. Well, I don't entirely agree with that because I think, well, there, there's a couple different arguments. Like I had an argument with the, I was talking to a, a, a fan of our show uh, who's also a fan of like my terrestrial radio show. Uh, and we were talking about it in in terms of well, what about bands like Lamb of God? What about like bands uh, of that nature who are still, you know, Killswitch Engage, who are still touring pretty much top of the game and still seem to be making strides, making gains in that department and gains in audience and and selling records and selling singles and stuff like that. What about those bands? Why are those bands not falling off? And I think a lot of that has to be has to do with being like first to the party. You know, my first response was Redneck, actually, from yeah, Lamb of God, is, was that yeah. fucking song. If nothing else, it's the Red Solo Cup that's going to make everybody go, oh, I love that. It's, <laughs> it's the fucking hostile of the, the 2000s. Right. So that song right there by itself. And it's a great song. Is a win. No, no, exactly. But it's the it's it's a least common denominator type song, especially on that album that it came out on. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're also the, one, the first ones that kind of started to break through. You know, they're the ones that started to... With Eleventh Hour and some of those other songs in the early days of Lamb of God, they are the ones that saw. Uh, same thing with Kill Switch Engage. Like they, they were some of the f- on the front. Yeah, and I think that has has something to do with it. But I think th- it's an element, absolutely. But uh, I, I was looking at Doc's reasoning here, but his five reasons, and, yeah. and we don't have to get into the paragraphs. Like the the Number total one, explanation. It's supposed to happen. Do you agree with that? What that it goes in cycles? Yeah, totally. It's uh, that's totally true. Mm-hmm. Except nowadays the cycles are down to like almost five years instead of ten years like they used to be. Now, do you think that a band ne- is stuck in their cycle, or can they go to another cycle? Can, can think, they traverse? Well, that's the question. That's the evolve question. Is right. like, can you actually evolve into something else? I think you're you're more than capable of doing it. And I just don't see. Uh, if any of the new wave of American heavy metal fans survived because they evolved with perhaps the exception of all that remains. And that's about it. I don't know. I I think you can do it. You have to weigh your old fans who you're going to lose because you quote unquote sell out versus the ones you're going to gain from changing into something that you may or may not have been originally. But one person's evolution is another person selling out. You know, you, you know, know how it is. Like, you know, you can, you spend a few years d- just attracting these new fans and then you come back with the, yeah. the tour that does only the first three albums, just like Slayer does. I, hey dude. And everybody's Ma- happy. You know my, what I mean? My favorite band in the fucking world, Iron Maiden is, is yeah. I mean, they do nothing but the eighties. So, right? I mean, it's, it's how it is. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess I'm, I think I'm curious as to why more and maybe Darkest Hour is trying to do it a little bit and and do it safely, trying to move forward with what they're doing to try to get beyond stuck in there. Yeah. You know, generation, I guess. Well, and the kind of leads to number two being the world changed. And yes, the world has changed and it keeps changing and is always changing, which is one of the, the Darkest Hour reference. You know, you get a new producer to come in who's got a different ear you got a different sound for what's going on right now. It's going to change some of the things that you do and the way that you approach things. And that may not be the worst thing in the world, yeah. you know, is to sort of adjust to, to whatever is changing around you. You know, when I've, it, you, there you definitely was a time when every single Fear Factory release that came out, I had to have it and I went and got it. But at a certain point. I don't need the new Fear Factory album because I can just go listen to the old Fear Factory album. Because it's obsolete. And and I think the same sort of applies here. It's like you, the band has to evolve and do something. And if you don't evolve, you have to come up with that awesome song 
or two that doesn't appear on the old stuff. I mean, yeah. you look at the new Haunted album, right? It's like, it's not that much different from what they used to do years ago. Yes. If you got the old stuff, you don't really need the new one, except for the fact that there's like four wicked awesome songs on that new haunted album some bands are like that though you think about that it's like the new carcass album or the you know we talked enough about carcass over the over the time we've done this podcast it doesn't sound that much different than it oh did. absolutely really i mean yes come on. like songwriting style wise oh absolutely really yeah, but that's a topic for another day. But yeah, you can't throw carcasses into being stuck in one place. That's I, ridiculous. No, no, no. I'm not saying they're stuck, but I, but I'm saying it's it's the it's the ACDC effect. It's the, the carcass it, are it, not the ACDC of grindcore. <laughs> you said that I did not. <laughs> let's uh, let's make that abundantly clear. <laughs> I'm saying that, that they're not the. But ACDC. no, I think that you've got a particular sound and you're going to stick with it, and it's going to be you, you move and shape it a little bit, but overall. It's it's still basically you know we're I listen to surgical steel and I hear I hear heart work so well know. maybe so but you're not going to hear corporal jigsaw quandary no no or no quandary no. or whatever <laughs> friggin thirty years later I still don't know how to pronounce that damn <laughs> song any of those songs know, right no, hepatic no, tissue no. fermentation part two but so, I mean the you have to adapt to the, the the changing landscape that's around you and 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 we're the world is changing so fucking fast that you just can't keep up with it anymore well doc brings up the next thing about new wave of american heavy metal has a youth dilemma and, which and is the same argument as the previous one actually no i don't think so necessarily I think it totally is because the the reason the reason that the especially uh, uh, i mean i may be talking from a top end uh, as far as age metalhead but but the thing is is that the the core people that listen to our music are younger. You know, I mean, that's, they get into it when they're young. Mm-hmm. And if, if they like a certain thing when they're young, then it's going to be kind of what is, that's why we're seeing a new metal revival thing right now, because <laughs> those new metal kids who were 14, 15, when new metal was a thing, now they're in their mid twenties, late twenties. And they're they're They've got a little more expendable income. It's like, let's go see limp biscuit. Why? Because you want to call your fucking eyes out? No. It's because it reminds me of this time when I was youthful and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's that nostalgia thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think that the youth problem is definitely something that's going to happen because I guarantee you that in 10 years, Shadows Fall will be back together doing a fucking uh, war within fucking tour. And, you know, and like I keep on saying, and Doc will be touring as God that's what forbid. I'm saying. Totally. It's going to be, it's, it's all going to come full circle at some point. Yeah, don't go to college, Doc. We want that <laughs> reunion tour thing to happen. No, go to college <laughs> and, and, you know, figure out how to make us some money. He, right, this right. is, this is the most poignant one. He asked the question whether they just weren't good enough. That honestly was when I knew he was really serious about what he was talking about, because that's, that's a really introspective question. And what I really like about that is, is that it's honest and it's probably it's, I would say 95% of it is, is speaking the truth. And the way that he phrased it was perfect because it's the difference between number one and number two can be 0.17 of a second. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're fucking terrible. It's not that they're not writing good music. It's just got something like there's just a little something and you may not be able to figure out what it is. Well, there's definitely truth to it. I mean, I'm thinking of like, uh, you know, I remember uh, reading an interview with the guys from Exhorter and they were saying, yeah, we would have had the career Pantera had, but they worked harder than we did. They deserved it. It's like, yeah, they worked harder, but they also had really great songs. Yeah. 
The Exhorter had one song, pretty, maybe they're, they're two, pretty good. But nothing compared. They to... They had a sound. Yeah, they hadn't developed a songwriting style exactly. And you know, and I think this is a really, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, you know, yeah. it's the cream of the crop does rise. I mean, it is something that did I use that? I used that last week too. Yeah, you I, did. God, what the fuck is wrong with God? Me? Cliche, I'm a cliche, motherfucker, man. Welcome to the cliche podcast. Hey, all right, well, let's <laughs> next week we're gonna have even more. No, I think that the the ones that the ones that excel excel for a reason. Yeah, you know? and and I think more often than not, they excel because of songs and true. songwriting more true. than anything. I don't care what kind of music you're doing; doesn't matter. You could be doing the most unlistenable black metal crud that's being recorded on a little yeah. handheld tape recorder that's shoved under your ass. It still has to have great songs for anybody to pay attention, and people will. And no matter how you record, and half the time, you know, our discussion with uh, with Dave from Roadrunner, you know, I mean, it's yep. a, it could be a lousy fucking demo mm-hmm. that that makes you the next big thing because they it, somebody can hear that song and go, ah, yep. mm-hmm. I hear the potential in the song. Like one one of my favorite things to listen to uh, were the anniversary editions of the Pantera, uh, like Cowboys from Hell, mm-hmm. when that. It, the demos of the songs that there's a whole CD of demos behind the, the main disc, which the remaster sucks by the way, but the, the demos of them amazing. Why? Because you hear sort of the raw, the raw nature of what those songs were supposed to like sounded like in the rehearsal room. And you go, what the, this is what a producer can do. Yeah. Like that's a really amazing how this turned into cemetery gates. Got it. Like, holy shit. The riff is there. Yeah. The song is there, but then somebody took it and was able to uh, just polish it up a little bit, but the song yeah. was still there. Yeah. You know, and it, it, whatever shine you put on it doesn't, it, it probably wouldn't make a difference. They could have put it out in demo form. People still would have gone to it. And, you know, you want to talk about a band that's transcended their generation, Pantera has because of their songs. Well, it's why people still talk about them. Exactly. You know, even though at this point they're classic rock, which one of my friends pointed out to me, I was like, keep uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah but i really dig the i really dig that article i, I suggest you go check it out there he's got what he's was got a fifth point why don't you go to docquail.net you'll find out what the fifth point is there you there go, you go. How about that's that? the way to go <laughs> hey <laughs> no so makes a few good points there and you know almost every one of his blog posts are amazingly insightful amazingly introspective and why do you think we wanted him on our show oh hell yeah and speaking of which we had to invite somebody else yeah it was amazingly insightful and got one hell of an incredible sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> we've had him on the show uh, for his band, The Atlas Moth, before. Catch him on tour if you're in Canada, by and, the way. Oh, my God, dude. So we decided, we just telling stories, swapping stories about stuff. We decided that we needed to get some of these stories on the Metal Sucks podcast. Inspired by true events, songs, or some bullshit he just thought up. Stavros Giannopoulos of The Atlas Moth will weave tales of intrigue that may shock you. They may surprise you. Or they may just make you feel sick to your stomach. The names may have been changed to protect the guilty, but probably not. Prepare yourself for story time with Stavros. You guys asked me if I had a funny Blake Beard story. For the last, you know what, fucking couple of years now, the only thing I've been sitting here thinking about is how much I fucking hate Blake. <laughs> you know? Uh, like, literally, I can't say I don't. You know, like, the dude has done a lot of fucking shitty things to a lot of, to me and to a lot of my really good friends. 
you know? And when you guys asked me that, it kind of made me be like, holy shit, you know what? There was like a good couple years where all these people that are bitching about Blake, you know, um, we all had a really good time with the dude. You know, like, or at least I guess like, you know, in theory we did. You know, I had fun. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> you know, people did it. But, you know, like, I had a good time, you know, and the funny thing was that, you know, two of my uh, very close friends are Keith, who plays drums in Bullhammer, mm-hmm. and Jeff Wilson, who plays guitar in Bullhammer, but also was in Nachmistium during the Assassins and Addicts period of the band. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, like, you know, I, I even hit them up uh, today. I texted them. I was like, hey, do you guys remember any funny stories with us and Blake? And they both kind of said the same thing where they were like, well, I haven't really thought about that forever, you know? <laughs> like, And uh, it was kind of like, I really, I've kind of pushed it all out of their memories as well. They just, like, kind of, like, have been stuck in this Blake Judd as a drug addict thing for so long. Yeah. Which is a bummer, because I know that, I mean, like, those two guys are really close with me, and half the reason that we're close is because we all spent a good portion of the last, like, decade hanging out together with Blake. Right. You know, and um, when I see all this shit with him now, you know, like, I mean, the dude's always been a fucking, uh, he's always had his little fucking things, you know, he's always, he's never been a, a, a choir boy, to say the least. But the dude did have some fucking fun times, you know, with all of us without it being, like, uh, you know, about heroin by any means, you know? Like, um, but particularly, a story did pop in my mind. There was a time um, when I uh, went on tour with Nachmissium, uh, and it was with Pentagram, which, if you guys want to talk about fucking dudes in rock bands that are totally delusional and fucked up on drugs, Bobby Liebling Liebling makes Blake look like a fucking preschooler. That guy's a... (laughs) Function. I don't know how he is nowadays. I guess he's clean, but oh my god, I almost beat the shit out of that guy like three times <laughs> doing merch for not to see him on that tour. He was such a fucking wreck. But uh, we were out, and I'm going to leave the tour manager's name out just in case. Um, but we were out with a tour manager, and we were driving from Chicago to Seattle. Uh, there were a couple, dude, brutal fucking drive. Uh, we were all sharing a bus. So it was uh, Pentagram and Nocturnistium in this bus together. It was the first time I was ever on a bus on tour. It was like really fucking rad. And I was just selling t-shirts for Nocturnistium, you know, like, um, this was like 2009, I'm pretty sure. Got it. So it was like before fucking like I've done anything cool with the Atlas Moth, really. So we're driving and we had a stop in North Dakota first. And then we did a stop in Billings, Montana. These are just like stops for the day before Seattle the next day. Yeah. Kind of thing, okay? So we are all sitting on like this mountaintop on the, in the like hotel, uh, hotel parking lot uh, in Billings, Montana. It's me and it's Blake and it's Jeff and it's tour manager and maybe someone else is there. I forget who. But regardless, we're all getting fucking super drunk because they're like, you know, you're in Montana. So we're hammered, and the tour manager is like, yeah, man, like, I've done all sorts of shit, man. I've done, like, this, this guy, this for that guy. And he happens to have done something for Danzig. <laughs> so <laughs> we're all like, no way, fucking Danzig, dude, that rules, you know? He goes, yeah, dude, I have his phone number. <laughs> and fucking, this is the time when Blake and I were hanging out, like, literally every day, you know? Uh, and him and I used to do a lot of dumbass, like, moronic shit together like prank phone calls like i don't know why <laughs> we just get drunk and fucked up and then like start calling people being assholes so we were like yo dude let's get dancing number let's leave him a fucking voicemail so blake 
gets on the fucking phone and he calls dancing. And he leaves Danzig's voicemail, which, like, the number that this dude has is, like, the uh, Vertigo Records, like, office number or whatever. So it's like, you know, if we call the number and it pops up with, like, a voicemail, and it's like, you've reached Vertigo Records and blah, 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 blah. And it's totally Danzig. Like, no doubt Danzig Like, all of us are sitting there, like, giggling, like, holy did it and shit, you know? So Blake Lee's like, uh, one thing that people don't talk about Blake uh, is that he knows his business pretty well. I mean, I guess that goes to say with, like, how good he is at stealing stuff business-wise. <laughs> 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 he knows the business side of music really well. So he leaves, he leaves like, this fairly professional-sounding voicemail involving, like, publishing or something like that and about how he needs to call him back. It's an urgent scenario that he needs to call him back at this number. And this tour manager's fucking grabs his the tour manager's own phone uh he looks at it, he pulls up a number and he shows it to blake and blake reads off this number onto the voicemail the callback number we all like he hangs up we're all fucking dying laughing and then finally like dude guess whose number that was that i gave you and we're like oh who was it it was jello biafra's cell phone number <laughs> it was a fucking incredibly fucking funny story at the time. Maybe it's not so funny now, but I was high last time that we pranked him dancing with Jello Biafra's <laughs> I've always been curious if, if Danzig ever did, like, went back and called that number and wanted Dean Jello Biafra. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? Could you imagine, like, fucking dancing, being like, who's this motherfucker? And then his goddamn called Jello Biafra. You know, like, <laughs> could you imagine Jello Biafra's reaction to that? Like, what the fuck you call me for, Danzig? so you know with all the things going on that are negative with Blake and I can definitely back all the negative things being said about the man because he's made some very big mistakes Uh, he was a pretty fun time for a long time you know so that being said about Blake you know I hope he gets better but I don't think he will Oh man, I know it's it's sort of it just it's kind of a sad story. It's a really sad story. It is, uh, but it's all yeah. Uh, it, I, I think I think at this point everybody's written them off, uh, written off uh, um, uh, Blake, Blake Judd. He, he's just he's the persona non grata. So there's no reason to pile on. It's sort of like it's kind of morbid. But let's try to remember the good times. You know? Yeah. I mean, a little that bit. That was your idea, and that was brilliant. Well, I mean, the the thing is, is that, I, like I said, I, I know a lot of people. We all, the metal circles are small, mm-hmm. you know, and we all sort of follow each other on Facebook and, and Twitter and all that stuff, and you read what people say about everybody else, and it's like, you know, I'm not def- I would not defend the dude because I did not know the guy or anything. He mm-hmm. didn't steal money from me because I didn't buy the album. Mm-hmm. I, I ripped it off off the Internet. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that if – I've got no dog in his hunt, and I know a lot right. of people that don't have a dog in that hunt. They may have been hurt by him in the past. Something may have happened at some point, but you know what? It does you no good. Yeah. Pile on to pile on. Yeah. I mean, if you're warning people, it's one thing. You know, it's like, hey, by the way, don't fucking spend your money with the guy or, you know, don't do whatever. 
I'm sure there's got to be one good story, and our our buddy Stavros, Stavros had one. Was able to at least give us one, <laughs> dude. I still want to know if if Danzig left a message on Jello Biafra's <laughs> fucking machine. That's what I want to know. Maybe some. Maybe when Danzig comes in for Housecore Horror Fest, we can like ask him about it. And say, hey, did you ever call Jello Biafra back? <laughs> I don't know something, but good story, man. And the first of many from from Stavros, right Hell there. Yeah. So next one. Uh, we call it, it's going to be Invaders. Yeah, so kind of based on a song, you know, <laughs> inspiring it. It's it's going to be fun, dude. So like hey, once a month or so, we're going to get Stavros in here and tell us, tell us a story. Now, I'm not saying that you, dear listener, can tell a story like Stavros can, but if you've got a question or you just want to hear your voice on the air along with guys like Stavros and Doc Coyle, you can do it on our website on the web uh, where the, the yeah, so pipe met, thing. Yeah. So metalsucks.net, when we post it on Mondays, uh, the podcast page, you go there, and on the link where the podcast goes up on metalsucks.net, there's a little speak pipe thing at the bottom of the post. Yep. And you can click on that. You got a microphone hooked up to your computer. You can ask us a question just like uh, our buddy did at the top of the show about bass players. So do that. You can also communicate with us on the Twitter box. I am at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks. And also on Spotify. Uh, Spotify. I still, yeah. I love Spotify. And, uh, of course, we're on iTunes, so if you want to subscribe to the podcast, make sure you do so on iTunes as well. Uh, Leave us five stars and tell us how much we suck. We appreciate it. I am Chuck. I am Godless. And this has been another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Metal Sucks.